Well, I am glad you are here. Happy Valentine's Day. I never know whether to actually say that or not, but happy Valentine's Day. It only happens once every seven or eight years, so you're not gonna, I don't know what to do. Hey, if you aren't my uh, Facebook friend, um, you're missing out because uh, uh, we, I uh, posted a video last night of uh, my wife and I uh, uh, doing the Sonny and Cher song, Babe. I got you, babe, you know? And uh, I think I've decided to grow up my hair. I look pretty hip. And for those of you who've seen that video, I look kind of cool in that uh, 70s video. I won't go to the uh, fringe clothing, but I think, I think the long hair is going to go. So I'm going to try that, see how it works. It's getting to the place where I'm going to have to start covering up somehow. So maybe I'll do it that way. I'm glad you're here. We've been talking about some fundamentals of the Christian faith. And uh, as I have mentioned almost every week when we've been talking about this, uh, the reason we can come back to this every once in a while is because all of the successful teams in any kind of situation in life uh, occasionally have to come back to the fundamentals. Uh, Great football teams come back to tackling. They come back to uh, blocking. Great baseball teams focus back on their swing, no matter how their hitting is. Uh, They just focus on the fundamentals because they know that as time goes by, no matter what kind of situation we're in, we have a tendency to just float away from the fundamental things uh, that we do. And so in the Christian life, it's kind of the same way. If we don't focus every once in a while on the fundamentals, we begin to just kind of float away from them. We don't mean to. We don't make choices to. It just happens. And so we want to refocus us every once in a while on some fundamentals of the faith. And that's what we're doing uh, today. Today we're talking about liberty in Christ. Now this is a little complex issue. And and I, I think it's complex because as human beings, we have a tendency to think Uh, that everybody thinks like we do, right? I mean, I think about things all the right ways. Why don't you guys think the way I do on stuff, right? I mean, that's how we all kind of think. We don't don't really choose that idea. We know that that sounds egotistical, and, and we shouldn't think that we're right about everything, but let's just be honest. All of you in this room think you're right about everything. If you didn't, you would change your opinion, right? If you knew that you thought wrong about something, Wouldn't you change your thinking? Of course you would. So in reality, we all think, but but none of us intentionally thinks the wrong way about stuff. We think what we think is the right way. Now here's the complex part as a human being. We forget sometimes that God doesn't deal with us all the same way. We forget sometimes that we haven't all had the same experiences in life. We forget sometimes that people are on different places in their spiritual journey. And the reality is, uh, God can uh, lead me one direction, and on a particular subject or issue, he could lead you the completely opposite direction. Now, before you panic and think we're teaching some kind of heresy or freak out or start running for the doors, stay with me. I think it'll be okay if you just stay with me the whole time, all right? But let's start and talk about this liberty in Christ uh, with a definition, because I want us to kind of know what it is that we're talking about when we talk about liberty in Christ. So I've come up with this definition, and I think it's important that you don't stop anywhere in the definition, because if you stop in certain places, it can mean something totally and completely different. So let's read the whole definition. Here's how I've defined liberty in Christ. It's the freedom from God to do whatever we wish in any matter the Bible does not address without the fear of persecution or judgment from the church or other believers. And the reason it's important to read the whole thing is because if you stop at the freedom from God to do whatever we wish, 
That's a whole different, that's a whole different meaning. Okay? So think it through with me. It's the freedom from God that comes from God to do anything we want to do in matters the Bible does not talk about without the fear of being persecuted or ridiculed or hated or, or, or somehow demeaned by other believers. Now, I've come up with a list of things, uh, and, and I came up with this list on purpose because when you see the list... You're going to say, well, wait a minute. The Bible talks about that kind of, doesn't it? Well, maybe. But it doesn't talk specifically about the list I'm about to show you. And so as you read the list and you begin to go, ooh, what Christian would do that? That's exactly the thinking that I'm talking about. Okay? So look at the list. Drinking alcohol, smoking, breastfeeding, vaccinations, Wearing a bikini. Now, if I did that, we would all agree that's wrong. But okay, let's keep going. Cosmetic surgery, makeup, gun ownership, being a vegetarian, the hours that you work, whether you use childcare or not, homeschooling, specific discipline for your children, uh, church clothes, child activities, restaurants and bars, meaning that, uh, you know, can we go to a restaurant that has a bar in it, like Applebee's, watching television or movies, and holidays. Now listen, there are people in this room that will go and watch R-rated movies and not think a thing about it. There are people in this room that would say, how can a Christian do that? There are people in this room uh, that will think certain ways about a child care. It's just, I, I, think it's, I think it's really critically important that I be with my kids until they go to school. And somebody else goes, well, I'm with them a whole lot of time. I think I'd drive them crazy if I was with them all day. They think differently about those things. Okay? And, we, and we both feel like we're right. Now, what we need to understand, folks, is that the Bible does not deal with every single issue of life. Are there principles that can apply to these? Of course there can. But if you go down the road smoking, well, we all know that's bad because the Bible says that, the, that we are the temple of God. So smoking is terribly wrong. How do I preach that with integrity? Do you eat foods that have artificial preservatives in them? That's not good for you. In my lifetime, I've been told by the news media that eggs will kill me, milk will kill me, beef will kill me, sugar will kill me, coffee will kill me. Look, I'm, I'm going to die. Right? Okay. So if you're going to take those kind of stands on things, we've got to take them to their full measure. And folks, the reality is when we do that, we wind up judging ourselves. Now, I'm not trying to encourage any certain position on any of these. We'll talk about a few specifically. But here's where we want to start with this. Before we get crazy and out of control, let's start here, and that's this. On matters the Bible does address for Christians, obedience. Flat out, that's it. Listen, there are some black and white issues in the Bible. The Bible's clear on them. And on those issues, there is no gray. We don't whittle the edges off a little bit to, to make it work for us. We don't figure out ways to justify thinking or doing something different. God's word is always right, and if we're in disagreement, we are wrong. It's that simple. Now, there are a list of those things that are on our website. 
If you want to go to our website, www.fogkc, fellowshipofgracekc.com, you can see that there are some beliefs. If somebody wants to come into this church and say, well, I think Jesus was a great guy, and I think you can get to heaven by putting your faith in him, but I think there's other ways too. That's a hill to die on, folks. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. End of story. Black and white. No gray. So I want to make sure that we understand there are some things that fit into that category. We cannot uh, uh, justify that we have some kind of liberty in Christ to believe that it's okay to lie. Well, I hate my neighbor because you don't understand how bad he is. And I'm sure God's okay with that. No, he's not. He's just not. Okay? So we've got to agree that there are some things that are black and white, and in those areas, we have no liberty in Christ to choose differently. But let us also start with this. Oh, I want, to, I want you to see this verse, because I want you to see that I'm not making this stuff up. Okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is not something that a bunch of old crusty guys just got together and had nothing else to do, so they wrote this thing. This is a God-breathed thing. This, is, this came out of the mind of God. And that's why when it talks about the black and white issues, he's right, and if we're in disagreement, we're wrong. But let us also see this. We are completely saved and justified by Jesus Christ, not by the law of Moses. We are not justified by our behavior. We are justified, meaning that our sins are taken away by the grace and mercy of God himself through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And the reason we need to understand that is because sometimes we think, well, if you think differently on this gray area, how can you possibly know Jesus? Folks, listen, we are all probably wrong about a lot of things, especially in those gray areas, maybe. We're not, there are just some things that are black and white. We know, we're, we know we're right because God's very obvious about it. Okay? When God, when God says, do not lie, it's pretty simple what that means. I don't have to go to seminary to figure that out. All right? But we understand here that, that we are completely saved and justified by Jesus, not by our obedience to the law. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 2. In fact, this whole book uh, deals with this. It says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in, Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Okay, The reason you can't be justified by the law is because nobody can live up to the law and the law does not bring about righteousness. It only brings about condemnation for our sinfulness. But Jesus brings about freedom. Jesus brings freedom from the law of sin and death. Do we ever cease to sin? No, as long as we live on this planet in this body. But we should sin less. Less and less all the time. Listen, the longer you're a Christian, you should sin less. And so there are some black and white things, and one of those main things is that we are completely and totally saved and justified by Jesus Christ. Now, the rest of the time I want us to spend on this. On all other matters, there is freedom, but with several boundaries. 
Okay, there are some principles we're going to look at. There is complete freedom, but with some boundaries. Just like when we uh, allow our children as teenagers to start dating and to start uh, having some freedom on their own, we give them a certain amount of freedom, but we say, but live within these boundaries. And as they grow, those boundaries get wider and wider. But God basically says the same thing to us. We are free to do virtually whatever we want to do with some boundaries. Let's spend the rest of our time looking at those boundaries. And, and here's the first one. First one is that we cannot get so dependent on something that it masters us. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Here's what that means, folks. Is television inherently bad or wrong? I can't see that from the scriptures. But if the moment you walk in the door, you run to the television and turn it on before you turn on the lights, that might be a problem. If you can't go to sleep without it on, if it's got to be on before you get up in the morning, I mean, if you are, are that mastered by the television, you see, although television is not inherently evil, it's mastered you. I don't even want to talk about coffee or Diet Pepsi in my case. Okay? See, but the point there, folks, is but if they get to the place where they control us, we've given up control of ourselves. Or more to speak is this verse. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, that word but is very important in this, in this verse. It's a contrast word. And what it means is, listen, uh, don't get drunk with wine. Now, if we stop there, what happens is people are like, okay, 0.08. That means I could drink to 0.07 every day, and it's not sinful, right? It's, I'm, I'm not drunk. But that's not, you know, uh, the guys in the government have not gotten their um, definition of drunkenness from the, the Word of God. What it says here is, listen, don't be drunk. And how do I know if I'm drunk? is if I'm no, no longer filled with the Spirit, but something is guiding me or influencing me other than the Spirit of God. I don't know if that's one drink, two drinks, five drinks, 20 drinks. Well, it is 20 drinks. I know that, okay? <laughs> but the point is, the point is, folks, when I drink, if I were to drink alcohol enough to where it clouds my judgment... It clouds my ability to be led by the Holy Spirit of God in me. I'm drunk. And, and these two verses together basically are saying, folks, listen, there are a lot of things that in moderation are not inherently evil, but if we let them take over our lives, folks, we've given up control of our life from God to this thing, whatever it is, television, coffee, alcohol, whatever it is. And so don't give in. Don't give up to that. That's a, that's a principle that we have to live with. The second one is that we cannot argue over issues. Look what it says in Romans 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. 
Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Here's what that passage is saying, folks. Listen, somebody may come into this congregation, and he says, well, I think it's just wise to be a vegetarian. You know, it's, it's just healthier. Okay. You want to eat vegetables? Knock yourself out. I don't have anything against you. But I'm going to go have a steak. Okay? And you can't despise me for that either. And by the way, at the end of the day, what this verse is saying is, listen, are you going to be the one that judges me at the end of the time? No. And I'm not going to be the one that judges you. So why should we do it here? We're not in a position to judge each other on these gray areas. Now listen, if you're beating your wife, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to come and, and, and confront you, and we're going to have a discussion uh, after we call the police about your sinfulness. Okay, But that's different than whether I decide to eat these foods or not. There's a big difference. And the bottom line here is, folks, we can't argue over these issues. I have seen, uh, personally been a part of or seen or been kind of privy to the inside information of probably eight to nine church splits. Not one of them was ever because uh, all of a sudden some great, weird, strange theology came about. All of a sudden the pastors have gone off the deep end and they're not preaching the word of God anymore. You know what every one of them's been about? Something goofy like this. Something, well, these people are parking in the close spots, and they're, the, they're not letting the old people park there. Okay, that's not probably kind, but we're going to split the church over something goofy like that? Well, I really prefer blue carpet. Well, I really prefer orange carpet. Really? That's just goofiness, folks. And what, what God's saying here is, look, we have a lot of bigger issues to deal with in life than whether or not you eat meat whether or not you just want to eat vegetables. So no matter what, in these gray issues, we shouldn't argue over them. The third thing we see is we cannot violate our own conscience. We cannot violate our own conscience. Look what it says in Romans 14, verse 5. It says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, just as a reminder, doesn't mean, well, I'm convinced in my mind I can punch my neighbor. No, 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 no. Black and white issues. That's not what we're talking about. In these gray if you're convinced in your mind that you will have a better and healthier life eating only asparagus, great. Knock yourself, then that's what you should do. If you're convinced of that, I'm really convinced that a steak is good every once in a while. So I'm going to do that. There is freedom, and we should be led by our own conscience. But here's the other thing, folks. Our experience in life can color this. It can change this. Listen, I've never struggled with alcohol. I have my own problems that I'm not going to share now, uh, but, but that's not something I've ever dealt with. If I want to go and hear a band where I know the guys are playing a band, if I want to go and sit in a bar and, and listen to some guys in a band and sit there and drink two or three Diet Cokes and listen to my friends playing a band... Have I done anything inherently evil? Probably not. I mean, we can certainly make the case that. But if, if I'm convinced that there's something about that that would be wrong, I shouldn't do that. Okay? And see, that's where we, we have this idea that, that God's kind of... Listen, if I was an alcoholic, 
If I was an alcoholic and I was struggling with my own addiction and I have a friend that's playing in a band, I shouldn't go there to hear him play because I'm just, I'm just tempting myself. I'm putting myself in a really bad position. So God could lead us in two different ways, you see. But the bottom line is, when God is speaking to our hearts, and by the way, I've talked to many people and I have experiences myself where it's like, I knew, you ever say, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I knew when I was about to take that step, this was a bad idea, and I did it anyway. Oh, man, what was I thinking? What it's saying is, in that moment when you know the next step is wrong, stop. If your conscience, if the Spirit of God in you is saying, don't take it, don't take it, all right? And something doesn't have to be inherently sinful to everybody just to be led by God to not do that particular thing. Next, we see that we must take, make life decisions out of faith. We must make life decisions out of faith. Look what it says here in James 4.17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now, this is the opposite. This is the opposite. It's saying this is not a wrong thing. If somebody believes something's really right and they don't do it, it's simple. Let me give you this example. If somebody uh, in their prayer time just felt a real deep burden for the homeless people in Kansas City and they called me on a Saturday and said, hey, pastor, um, I just got this real heavy burden on my heart to make 100 sack lunches and go down after church and just hand them out to homeless guys on the street downtown. And I just think it would be a great thing for you to call everybody in the church today and, and, and all of us do that together so that we can all go do that together the next day. Can you do that? I'm probably going to say no, okay? Just because I can't spend all day Saturday making phone calls. And, and it, it, but, but listen, if God's telling you to do it, if God's putting it in your heart, just because everybody doesn't go with you doesn't mean you don't do it. You do it because what it says is if you know the right thing to do and you fail to do it, it's become sin. And look very carefully at the wording. It does not say, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, it is sin. It says, for him, it is sin. Does that mean that some things could be a sin for me and not for you? Yes, that's exactly what it means. If God puts that on your heart to take all those uh, sack lunches to homeless people uh, after church and he doesn't put it on my heart, if you don't do it, it's sinful. But if I don't, it's not. And so we need to be careful about judging one another and, 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 and criticizing one another when not everybody feels the same burdens that we feel about certain things. You know, I've been in churches before where if you didn't bring your Bible to church... You were looked down on. Now, I know today, you know, we all bring our Bibles to church, right? <laughs> Looks a lot like my phone because my Bible's right here. But I, I, wouldn't, I would be surprised maybe if somebody didn't come into our church and say, well, wow, that pastor doesn't even own a Bible. He doesn't even carry one up there. At the, well, I do have one here just in case, just in case I need it. The real thing, if my phone goes down. But I use this more than anything else today. I was raised in a church uh, where if I wore clothes like this to church, they would probably ostracize me and perhaps crucify me you know genes were viewed as a an act of rebellion against god i mean it was that serious and yet today i come and 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 perhaps nobody thinks that it's sinful for me to do this i certainly don't feel sinful doing it 
So we have to make life decisions out of faith, doing what we believe is the right thing within the bounds of the black and white. Let's continue. We also cannot cause another to stumble. We cannot cause another to stumble. Look what it says in Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now, I am a teetotaler. I do not drink alcohol at all, uh, ever. And it's not because I think it's inherently evil or, or the people who have a glass of wine with their uh, dinner um, are, are some kind of terrible sinners or that uh, I can somehow twist the word of God to somehow say that the alcohol or the wine in the Bible wasn't alcoholic. Of course it was. Okay, you, you can't explain that away. So why don't I do it? Here's why. Because if I'm at a restaurant and I'm sitting down with my wife or kids and we're having dinner and I'm having a glass of wine or a beer, every church member who walks by me is going to come to a conclusion. Wow, the pastor drinks. It's okay for me. Now, I don't want to send that kind of message because I know some of you struggle with that. I don't want to be a stumbling block for you. I don't want you to come to my house uh, for community group, and when Julie says, hey, could you grab the mustard out of the refrigerator, you open the refrigerator and you see, you know, four six-packs in there, and you go, holy moly, my pastor drinks, and he drinks a lot, okay? Yeah, I, it, again, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to drink a sip of alcohol. What I'm saying is, for me, God has really convicted my heart that it's not something I need, It's not something I want. It's not something that benefits me. And so why in the world would I do something that's a stumbling block for sure for other people? You see, the return on investment's not very good. And so anything that we do that causes another to stumble, we shouldn't do. When we go to the Philippines, uh, we cannot wear open-toed shoes to the service there. Because in their culture, uh, showing your toes is, is kind of, you know, it's not, it's not a very polite thing to do. It's almost as if they'd seen my toes, you know. And, and so we're not going to do that. And when we're in their culture, we're not going to do that. Is there anything inherently wrong about wearing sandals? Of course not. Jesus wore sandals, for goodness sakes. He, he showed his toes all the time, I'm sure. But, but we're with people that this is going to be a stumbling block for them. It's going to be difficult for them to even relate to us because we're somehow offending them. So if we go there and wear the same exact shoes we could wear here, we now are sinning because we're, we're creating a stumbling block for them. That's one of the important uh, and key boundaries. A couple more. Don't do things that don't edify Now, we spend a lot of time when we're talking about boundaries, about what we can't do. We need to talk about what we should do. And this is one of them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Hmm. What Paul's saying there is this. Listen, I have freedom in Christ. Everything's lawful for me. Because I don't live under the law of sin and death. Everything's lawful for me to do. But not everything is beneficial to others. 
Not, every, not everything else builds up the body of Christ and encourages them. Not everything else uh, is positive for them and helps them and, and encourages them to do the right thing and live the right way. I'm going to focus my attention and my time learning to do the things that are beneficial for others, not just not sinful to others. So we should be, as we're, as we're choosing where we stand on all of these uh, um, uh, gray areas, perhaps we need to think about the things that will benefit and help others, or perhaps we take a stand of no stand because there simply isn't a reason to, to not benefit everybody on an issue. Okay? Now, these last two are very important because I think the last two are, are probably the bottom lines of this thinking. While we have complete freedom from God to do whatever we wish in any manner the Bible does not address, these two boundaries are probably the things that should drive us. And the first one is this. Be motivated by love for one another. Be motivated by love for one another. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, I don't know how much you're following the whole political uh, agenda here in, in, in America right now and the, the election and all that kind of stuff. But we're really, really big on, on, on hanging on to our rights. Boy, I got rights. And I'm going to hang on to those rights. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Okay? I'm going to fight for those rights. I'm, no, nobody's going to trim my rights down from me. Folks, I think that's okay in a political sense. But if we begin to think of that in a spiritual sense, hey, I'm free to, it says, I'm free to do whatever I want. We just read that verse. Awesome. Nobody can tell me anything. I get to do whatever I want to do. That is so self-serving, so self-centered, and so much about pleasing ourselves. It's not Christ-like at all. What this passage is saying is this. Folks, we need to be motivated by love for one another. I'm going to choose a lot of things in life, not because they're inherently evil or inherently great. I'm going to choose a lot of things in life because I love you all, and I want to choose things that don't hurt you. And I'm hoping that you have a relationship with me where you love me and you want to choose things in life that won't hurt me or each other. You see, we do have rights as a Christian, but love trumps those. I shouldn't use that word. Uh, bad word, sorry. Uh, love is more important than those, okay? Love is more important. If I am, you know, and folks, this is, this, is how you, this is how you get along in a marriage. This is how you get along in relationships. If it bothers my wife for me to leave my socks on the floor, I've looked at the scriptures, there's nothing inherently wrong about that. But if it bothers her, why shouldn't I just put him in the hamper? So I'm not doing that out of an inherent sinfulness. I'm doing that because I choose uh, a path of love instead of a path of selfishness. Folks, that'll get rid of a lot of these arguments that don't matter. And lastly, and the most important, is that we must glorify God in every choice we make. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So whether you eat or drink 
or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So there's a whole discussion here in 1 Corinthians about uh, eating meat given to an idol. If somebody uh, uh, sacrifices some meat and offers it to an idol, because I'm spiritual and I know that idols are just a hunk of wood or a hunk of granite or whatever, there are no other gods besides the one true God. So because it's given to something that doesn't exist, I'm free to eat it if I want to. But if it offends somebody who's not at the spiritual place I'm at, I would, I would give that right up. Now that's an, interesting, that's an interesting concept there because what I want you to see is it's not the people that are spiritually mature that get to do more and more things. Okay? It's the people that are maturing in Christ that do less and less questionable things because they'll offend others. It's the people that are growing in Christ that make others more important than them. And so in the example that it gives there in 1 Corinthians, uh, where it's talking about it, it's the person who has the freedom to eat meat and not be uh, uh, you know, under the law. It's that person who's the more spiritual one. But they choose not to eat it if it offends their brother who's spiritually immature. But the bottom line, folks, is whether you decide to eat it or not, whether you drink or not, whether you do this or not, whether you homeschool or not, whether you wear a bikini or not, whether you have a gun or not, do everything you do with a motive of bringing glory and honor to God. Listen, if in all these gray areas, if we live at a place where we say, I'm going to make all my decisions on, on two boundaries— what shows love and concern and, and, and greater sense of, of meaning to other people and what pleases God the most. That, that'll solve a lot of our issues. That'll solve a lot of problems about these gray areas. My parents used to always tell me when we were talking about these gray areas, they would say, now, Michael, if you were doing that and Jesus came back, how would you feel? And I'm like, why do you say that stuff, Mom and Dad? I mean, that's just wrong, you know? Uh, it felt like they were manipulating me, but in reality, in reality, that's a really good way to think. If I'm about to do something gray, would, would I be embarrassed if Jesus came back while I was in the middle of it? If so, I want to really encourage you, think about this last one. Bring glory and honor to God in everything that we do. Folks, we should be thrilled that we have freedom from the law in Jesus Christ. We should embrace our liberty in Christ. But our liberty in Christ is not a, a, a license to do whatever we want to do. It's a license to do whatever God wants us to do and what benefits and shows love to others. I hope you can uh, talk about some of these things in your community groups. There'll be some very spirited discussions in your community group this week. I want you to talk about some of these uh, things and kind of how we think. And the bottom line is, folks, I'm not trying to force feed you how to think on any of the gray areas. That's up to you and God to figure out. But I do want you to be motivated by love for others and bringing honor to him. And then let's just agree to get along with each other if we don't all agree on the gray areas. We've got to agree on the black and white things. We've got to agree on the hills to die on. 
But there's so many things in life that God's just not specific about. Let's just offer grace and mercy instead of judgment and criticism. This church's name is chosen for a specific reason because we had a desire at the very beginning to be a place where people gathered a fellowship that offered grace to others. We specifically chose not to call it Fellowship of Criticism. I mean, we could have. Fellowship of Judgment. That would have been a really nice name. And again, folks, I'm not saying we put up with outward sin and we, just, we, don't, we ignore that or we embrace that. We don't. But in these gray areas, let's let God lead people. I got enough to do myself. I don't need to be the Holy Spirit for you. Okay? I got enough on my plate. I got enough on my schedule. I don't need to take on that job. I'm going to let God do that for you. You let God do that for me and each other, and we'll get along fantastic. And enjoy your liberty in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your spirit that guide and lead us. Father, we are thankful that you continue to grow us and to help us. God, I pray you'd forgive me for the times I have participated in things uh, that were inherently wrong and for things that were inherently maybe not wrong, but they were motivated out of something other than my love for others or my wanting to bring you, my desire to bring you honor and glory. Father, I, I pray that you would help us all uh, to just have a fellowship here that is really full of grace and mercy to one another, where we love each other, even though we have difference of opinion on things. We can help each other and encourage each other without being critical and judgmental. Father, help us to always stand strong and know what the black and white issues are. Help us to never waver on them. Help us to never uh, uh, just be uh, compromised in any way, shape, or form on those issues. But Lord, in these other issues, help us to offer mercy and grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.